Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Week two um, of Point Man by Steve Farrar, um, How a Man Can Lead His Family, a fantastic book. We did chapters one and two last week, um, pulled a little bit of an audible, uh, moved chapter three into this week. So we've got three, four, and five that we're looking at covering. Uh, chapter three says, Real Men Don't. That's the, uh, the title of the chapter. Uh, and he says this, he says, Real Men Don't Commit Adultery. So you kind of see where we're going on this one. So... What do you guys think? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, we talked about the criticality of your role as a, as a point man in the family. And we're following up with a real man treasures his marriage because the most valuable thing to protect the family is that marriage Amen. covenant. Amen. So yeah. you've got to rule out the enemy's first attack, separating you and your wife. Yeah. And uh, this is the first step. Is you, You're committed to her. You've made a covenant with her which is a promise of future love. So you, there's no back door. Yep. He, go, he goes into this. Um, you know, I, I knew where he was going when I read it, um, but he, he really harps on this concept, the difference between adul- um, adultery and an affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's good, right? Just language is important. Words are important. Um, our culture right, has taken um, the concept of adultery, the concept of right, having a sexual relationship with somebody outside your marriage, uh, turned it into something nice. It sounds like an affair, uh, and really has has lessened the consequences for it. Um, you know, the divorce law itself yes. right has lessened the consequences for it because now you can commit adultery, you can still have a no fault divorce, um, and you can walk away from it. Right, and there are no there are no consequences for your particular action. Um, and what what Farrar will tell you is that's actually not true. Um, there are consequences for your actions, uh, and the consequences will be felt um, in. Right, not only in your marriage, right, because you'll destroy your marriage, but it'll be felt by your kids as well. Yes, because, you, because you're going to destroy the lives of your children, and so he he is going to help you um, kind of see and hopefully avoid that particular um, you know pitfall, right? So if adultery is you know down the road for you, chapter three is a great book to kind of help you steer around that. Uh, and he's going to just talk about, you know, what, what, is it, what does it look like? Um, you know, he talks about Proverbs, right? The seduction, uh, you know, of a man by sin is like an ox going to the slaughter, right? It's like if you're walking down this particular path, he's going to help you try to avoid it by making some decisions um, that turn you away from the lure of something outside your marriage and turn you back to the things that you're committed to. Yeah, I, I, I just highlighted in the book, I, he, he quotes a... Um, and a definition by Dennis Rainey of what an affair is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because that language, to your point, Dan, has become uh, so commonplace um, and non-offensive, really. Uh, and he says that, uh, according to Dennis Rainey, an affair is, is an escape from reality or a search for meaning outside of the marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, he proceeds that definition by just flat out saying that adultery or an affair is treason. And I thought, man, uh, I, I just read that and was just struck yeah. by, I mean, I mean, like you want to talk about heinous crimes. Yep. I mean, if you yep. have any 
um, any sort of pride in your nation or or anything, uh, you think of like treason is one of the the greatest things yeah. uh, that you could possibly punishable by uh, death. Do right? like that, mm-hmm. yeah. And greatest, when I say greatest, <laughs> not not good, yeah. um, but but just <laughs> yeah. just that just greatest that negative. yeah, just that thought of mm. man, this is this is what I've done because what I've done is I've I've broken a not just a commitment but a covenant uh, between God first, yes. but also my wife, um, and I've done that by going completely the other direction and actually siding for the other team, yep. um, and I thought, man, that's that's. That's powerful. It, it's it's hurtful, and um, and it really brings to light like the significance of what our culture has tried to, um, you know, make not a big deal. Yep. Yeah, it's so easy to get divorced these days, and I'm almost wondering in the church if we do a disservice. We we have programs to teach people how to be married. How much better would marriage coaching be if you took? a man who's been through a horrendous divorce and he explained what that treason felt like. He explained the damage that was done. And we brought in the kids 10 years later and they explained how that rippled. I mean, it's unfortunately we follow the world. We don't fight the world. The world elevates sexual fulfillment as the ultimate value. So why are we surprised that quote affairs are now normalized? Because if you're not sexually fulfilled according to the world, well then you don't have the right person. So now you're starting to compare on the world standard oh, yeah. versus executing on the commitment you've given God yep. and the covenant you made. Yep. And, you know, the simplest quotes are the best. Comparison is the thief of joy. If you are looking at everybody else's wife and life online, mm-hmm. you will not find any solace in your own. Yep. You were never supposed to compare it there anyways. She wasn't there for your sexual fulfillment. She was there to be your helper. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. The, the, the couple that did our premarital counseling, Trisha and I just went down and spent you know a couple of days with our spiritual parents, the Currens, um, and they had previously been divorced, um, you know, got, got married after they had been, both of them had been divorced, um, had two little girls. The two little girls um, went to church and drugged their parents one day, and Bruce and Chris got saved. Uh, and when we met them, um, that was one of the interesting things. We asked them to do our premarital counseling, and it's like, you know, when you got to a couple that's been divorced, like, what do you know about marriage? And it's interesting. It's like, you know that marriage is important <laughs> because, uh, yeah. because you've, you've seen the destruction of it. And I think the reality is, is every single person I know has somebody pretty close to them uh, who's been divorced, right? My yeah. parents divorced when I was in my 30s. And I'm telling you that the, the devastation and ramifications of those things still in my life, I'm 53, and it's still a problem Right. When your parents get divorced now, you know, when you get divorced, right, obviously it's an issue. But I think that the reality is, is we don't think about how our particular actions uh, ripple effect out into the lives of others. Right. Our children specifically. I mean, I've given I've given away the book, um, you know, Between Two Worlds, The Inner Lives of Children and Divorce, probably 30, 40, 50 times. Um, and it, it's a book specifically looking at when you get divorced, here's what your kids will deal with. Um, here's the reality, right? And then here's the statistics that you need to understand, yeah. right? That your kids are going to be far more likely to have a divorce themselves because of your particular divorce. And I'm telling you, parents, right? You, you know, you read that and you're just like, oh my goodness. You think it's hard on you going through a bad, you know, d- divorce? Um, it's it's devastating for your kids and but the Dan, lessons. But my that kids learn. want me to be happy. And and I'm going to tell you, Farrar. No. Deals with that. Yeah, he does. He does. He, he's going to say, hey, listen, you know, where, where does the happiness concept come from? 
as opposed to the holiness thing. And, um, and he just, he, he, he ties into this whole idea. Um, I, I do like, he, he gives you one thing where, you know, when you say, Hey, I just want to be happy. Um, his line in here hits me. He says, uh, when you leave your life to commit adultery with another woman, you take yourself with you and you're your biggest problem. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. you're not happy in your current marriage, right, in your next marriage, you're still in it. <laughs> yeah, the problem went with you. And, and a lot of because people. Because it was you. Yeah, because it was you. Right. And a lot of people, it's just like, oh, I'm getting rid of the problem because I'm getting rid of my you know, wife. And it's just like, I'm just going to tell you, if you have not invested in. Here's the deal. When you don't water your lawn. And, and it you know and it burns up in the you know the Texas heat and then you blame your lawn for looking bad it's like dude you didn't water it yeah right the grass is greener where you water it um, the relationship is growing where you've invested in it and so if you don't have a good marriage and you don't have a good relationship um, part of the problem might be that you have not put the time energy and effort into taking care of it yeah and he, he deals with that I, I think this is this is so helpful because I think you guys are right, and this is why this is included in a book called Point Man. Right? That's is right. because like the ramifications are not not just isolated to you and your life, but to all, all the those guys who, behind you who are leading, who are following behind. That's right. Uh, one interesting thing, I, I just think this is so so good that I've got to I've got to mention it. Uh, is he says in here that um, he's talking about King David, and he says, "Have you ever noticed how many men in the Bible failed in the second mm. half?" of life. Amen. And I thought, man, I, I, I've never really thought about that because normally when you think about affairs or adultery, you yep. think of, you think of people who are early in their marriage. You think of, uh, men who have m- maybe rushed into marriage or women who have rushed into marriage and become quickly discontent by the partner that they didn't really have time to figure out and know. Sure. Um, and, and all of these things, right. Uh, but he just says our enemy is so cunning that he will wait 40 or even 50 years to set a trap. He said that's precisely what happened to King David, uh, is that it wasn't until the second half, right? I mean, he'd already shown great obedience in the Lord and and in his leadership um, over what God had given him. And then all of a sudden, uh, he, he finds himself in this trap, um, and uh, and and he falls. Uh, and I thought, man, I feel like more older men, mm-hmm. uh, experienced men uh, who have, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of marriage under their belt, to your point, Dan. I mean, yeah. your parents got divorced late or when you were later in life. And so uh, I think this is not just a young man's problem. This is an every man's problem, Amen. right? This discontentment of, of, uh, of yeah, here, looking here, here, for happiness. The, the enemy doesn't care no. when, when he takes you out. But the reality is, is when you're chopping down a big old oak tree, right? When you've been walking with the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years, when you've been married 30-something years, yeah, it may take the devil a little longer to chop down that oak tree, but I'm telling you, it's a greater prize when he does. Yeah, and he's patient. He's patient. And he watches game film on all of oh, us. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, like, we under we underthink how cunning he is. Mm-hmm. We, we don't attribute to the enemy their actual capability. So we don't know the, the capability of the enemy as we go into the fight, which just guarantees us we're going to get mauled. Amen. And if we don't know our own weaknesses and we don't know the enemy— we're not even going to win a battle, let yeah. alone the war. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. As cunning as he is, um, we don't want to give him a stick to beat us with. And so Steve Farrar in Chapter 4 deals with the, the, the one stick that's, that's so easily, right, the stick that we hand the devil and he just beats the living daylights out of men. And that is, um, he calls it a one-woman kind of man. And that is, right, you gotta, you got to pay, if you're married, you got to pay attention to one woman and one woman only, and that's your wife. Yeah. Stop paying attention to everybody else's wife or any other women that aren't your wife. 
Um, and so um, he talks about, you know, Cortez who comes over and burns the ship, yes. right? Because, you know, we're not going back. That's the concept of marriage, right? Maybe, you know, that should be, you know, included in every marriage vow, right? Do you, do you I'm commit for, certain, to, uh, you know, for, you know. That Satan created Facebook just so you didn't have to burn the ships. <laughs> so that you can connect with that high school sweetheart mm. from 20 years ago. Yeah. Privately, without anybody knowing, Try and then it. you, you know, you walk into your own grenade. And and even if, and here's the reality, because I'm, I'm glad you brought up social media. Um, it, it starts with just the look, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you know the, the Job, you know, thirty-one one, where I, I made a covenant not to look lustfully at a woman. Yeah. Um, you know, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman, right? But the reality is, is you know, you're not you're not reaching out to that old high school you know girlfriend. You're you're seeing her on Facebook. Right, you're watching her on social media. You're seeing other women on Instagram, whatever it is, um, and then, right, you're pursuing one of those people. So the eyes really are super important, right? You know, the eyes are the window of the soul. Um, and he talks about you know just how important it is, um, you know, to guard your heart. But how you know what gets into your heart is well, what you let go through your eyes is what gets into yeah. your heart. So super important for you know for men. Uh, to to make that particular commitment and be disciplined about what their eyes see. Yeah, I, the, I, I'm just I I'd forgotten because uh, it'd been so long since I initially read this book. I'd forgotten the story of Cortez and burning mm-hmm. the ships, mm-hmm. uh, and just the power of. Um, there not being an escape plan. There's not. There's not an option to back out. Um, there, there's not a, an option for retreating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's so true, not just in our marriages, but even when it comes to temptation, uh, yeah. is that we've got we've got to make sure that we have done everything within our power uh, to not allow these uh, chinks in our armor or places where Satan may have a foothold into our lives that would cause us to uh, endure a temptation yeah. that uh, within our own flesh we can't resist. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes on. And he talks about um, you know strategy. Right for for a man, right is um, a one woman kind of man um, is the one who demonstrates his commitment by di- disciplining his eyes, um, and then he's going to go on as a one woman kind of man as someone who disciplines his lips, right. So what are you saying, right? Yeah. Uh, and here, here's the thing: if if you want to find something negative about your spouse, you can. If you want to find something positive, you can, right? Yep. So the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you hear somebody say something, you know that that's what's in their heart. He's going to talk about a one-woman kind of man is committed with his hands, right? And a one-woman kind of man is committed with his feet, right? So super, super important, um, you know, just to realize that uh, the enemy is going to try to take you out in these areas. Um, he talks about the issue of pornography and just how you have to battle against um, any depictions, um, any situations, even, okay, here's the deal. Even movies, um, you know, there's a, there's a, um, Oppenheimer, right. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, has apparently a sex scene in it. Multiple. Cause he was a philanderer. Okay. I'm like, I haven't seen it. And I'm like, why in the world are we talking about, right? Sex scenes in a movie about a guy making a bomb, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, haven't, you know, but I, I think the reality is, is like, well, what do you do with that? Right. I mean, do you go see the movies? Do you, you know, do you not watch the scenes? Right. And I think the thing is, is, you know, when you when you talk about guarding your eyes against depictions, right, of, of sexual, you know, sexuality and, and, you know, women who are not your wife, I think you have to take into account social media. You have to take into account movies. You have to take into account, you know, the women that you work with at the workplace. You have to take into account, you know, fr- I mean, all those things have to be part of. You disciplining your mind, your habits, um, you know, uh, you don't have conversations with women that, you know, that aren't your wife, that are, yeah. that are intimate or personal in nature, 
right? You don't go to lunch with somebody who's not your wife, right? I mean, just all those different things you have to take into account as a man. Yeah, does your wife have the passcode to your phone? Yeah. Do your kids have the passcode to your phone? Like, uh, we can't always stop the devil's efforts and attacks, mm-hmm. but we can stop how much time we spend with them. Amen. Yeah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this one because we just had breakfast. C.S. Lewis, great quote. He that but looketh on a plate of ham and eggs to lust after it has already committed breakfast in his heart. That's so mm-hmm. good. Like, we, we won't always be able to choose what bird flies over us, but we don't have to let him make a nest in our hair. Amen. Like, but it comes from that disposition that, hey, I know I'm going to be attacked, and I know it's coming from all angles, so I need to be prepared at all times with my eyes, my feet, my mind, what I say, what I do. I'm on guard. Yeah. Steve, I'm, as, sorry. As the Marines, unfortunately, we're going to reference the Marines. He, he references them in here to say, Semper Fidelis, <laughs> always right. faithful. Always faithful. Yeah, yeah it, one of the quotes he has in here that was so helpful for me, it, he said that uh, temptation itself is not sin, yep. uh, but it's a call to battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and man, I, I, if, if I would have known that earlier in life, I could have saved myself a lot of, a lot of heartache, a lot of sin, um, a lot of moments and times of, uh, embarrassing confession, yep. uh, before others as well as the Lord. Um, and, and, and then he goes on and he just starts giving some really practical ways of how we fight, how, how, how we wrestle and engage into this battle. Uh, my favorite is where he says, you cannot pray and lust at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's my good gosh. One. And I That's thought, so man, That's true. if, if we would right. practice that um, more often, that when the temptation of lust uh, hits us yeah. uh, from all these different angles that you guys are talking about, uh, if we would immediately run to prayer, uh, that we can't do this two at the same time. Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't we can't engage in communion with the Lord with uh, the temptation of lust in our hearts, yeah. uh, and so and that's what I'm always trying to tell boys and, and pretty much anybody is that man if you want to stop doing something you better start doing something different. And, and so so that's a, that's a huge part of what it gets into too. Practically speaking, uh, temptation comes when our when we let our mind wander when we're not engaged in something. Yeah. He, he quotes. Um, W.M. Taylor, it says, temptation rarely comes in working hours. It is, it is in their leisure time that men are either made or marred, which I love that, that concept. But that's the reality, right? When, when are you tempted? Um, you know, when you're engaged in something and working and committed to something, <clears throat> right? Temptation usually doesn't flare its ugly head when you've got to focus on something that's worthwhile. Yeah. Temptation comes when ah, you're just sitting there and you're, you know, you're scrolling through the phone or you're, you know, walking through a place that you shouldn't be. And, and, you know, that's, that's a great reminder is all of these things are super important, which is why he talks about, right. You're, you know, one woman kind of man is committed with his hands, right. And with his feet, where you go, what you watch, you know, your social media, all those things are super, super important. So chapter four is a really good chapter. Anything else on that one? Uh, no, it kind of leads into how do we prevent those attacks in mm. chapter five? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'll just say one quick thing uh, that I think has to be said, and, and this will actually, I think, lead us into uh, chapter 5. One of the things when he's talking about adultery, he says, The lure of adultery is that another woman will truly meet your needs. That's right. And what makes adultery a lie is that no other woman on the face of this earth, no matter how alluring, interesting, or beautiful, has the capacity for, to fully meet the needs of another human being. Yep. That's why adultery is the ultimate hoax. It promises what it cannot do. 
deliver. Uh, and, and I thought, man, that's so good. And that's not only that's not not only uh, an accusation against the lie of adultery, uh, but it is a confirmation that people can't satisfy. Uh, other sinners will not be able to satisfy you that what you're looking for in this moment of another woman uh, is, is only satisfied by God. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where he's going to lead us, I think, and, and in the chapter five. Yeah, of, super important, right? It, it, no more money. That's right. right? You know, no more job, no more accomplishments, right? Not another woman. N- none of those things are going to fulfill the deepest desire of your heart because you were made to be in a relationship with God and, and God is eternal. Yeah. And so all the temporal things that you try to fill in uh, and add up to something that, that, that is that vast and significant and you know, majestic as God um, will always pale in comparison to God himself. And so if you're made to be in a relationship with God and you put something else in there and you try to fill that void, it's always going to fail. But, but it's, so, it's so ridiculous that it fails. It's, yeah. it's proximity. So what we're pursuing, we're getting closer to, and it's coming in better view and focus. Yeah. Uh, well, we can get close to a woman. We can get closer to money or whatever, and that's going to be front in our eyes right in front of us. We'll never finish getting closer to God, and he'll never get – he'll never look, look you know, worse. He's always going to look – there's always more to get closer to, yep. which – then turns and reminds us, man, I am so pathetic to even be loved by him. The closer I'm getting to him, the more I realize how pathetic I am, and he still chooses to love. That's right. So now I can actually, like, I'm going to be filled in the pursuit of that versus the pursuit of something else. It's good. So he gets us into chapter five then, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's where we're going to go, and that is um, <clears throat> if, if these things are not going to fulfill you, then, then what is? Um, he calls the, the chapter anorexic men and uh, their bulimic cousin, um, maybe for some guys, right? You don't know anything about anorexia or bulimia. Um, but, it, you know, the, the reality is, is um, you know, anorexia is basically starving yourself from something. Mm-hmm. Uh, bulimia is basically feasting on it and then getting rid of it and losing all the nutrients. Um, and so, the, you know, the, the concept that he's giving you is, um, you know, how do, how do we really taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. What, what, is that, what does that look like? Um, and when you do that, when you feast upon God and he feeds you right, and nourishes your soul, then everything else, in a sense, kind of pales in comparison. Yeah. Um, and and what, is, what does that look like? Um, you know, and uh, and you know, it's, it's, it starts with um, God reveals himself through his word, right? Again, yeah. back, back to that idea that we have to start with the word of God um, yeah, hey, listen, you can go to Colorado and take a walk through nature and get closer to God. And, and the reality is, yes, trust me, right? You can look up at the stars in the heavens and go, oh, my goodness, right? Well, yeah. Who is man? You know, the God is mindful of him. Fantastic. Um, but he has given us, right, a love letter, right? 66 of them stacked in one book. And he's like, you've got to spend some time in the Word of God. And so he says, you know, problem number one is men don't know the Word of God. And then problem number two is men don't know how to apply it to their lives. Right. So we've got to spend time in the word of God and then we've got to say, OK, what does this mean to Dan Panetti? Yeah. Right. And, and how, do, how does this shape my life? Um, and so, um, you know, Howard Hendricks has a great quote in here. He says, in the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. Mm. So if you're going to spend time in the word of God and God is going to instruct you, you have to carry it out. 
You have to be obedient, right? We're not just talking about, oh, you mean I need to know the Word of God. Okay, here's a bunch of verses. I'm going to memorize them, and that's going to get me closer to God. And the answer is, no, no, no. What I mean is as you spend time in the Word of God and you get to know the nature of God, now you begin to realize here's where my life doesn't line up to that, and God gives you the ability to make adjustments and changes so that you can get rid of the things that are holding you back and you can pursue the things that are getting you closer to him. Yeah. And, and you got to be obedient in that. And that's a, that's, a, that's a big deal. If I never listened to my wife or never talked to her, it'd be hard for me to say I have a good relationship Amen. with her. Amen. Absolutely. And it's the same concept. All relationships are and the same way. It's even more frustrating with the number of Bibles there are in the U.S. <laughs> you know, like the average Bible or the average house probably has four Bibles. 85% of the homes in America have a Bible. Hey, Campbell just went on a choir mission trip to England. Uh, and while he was there in London... Um, he bought me a Bible that was printed in like the 1800s. And it was, it was so cool. He brought it home and he's like, you know, do you like it? I'm like, dude, it's so cool. That's mm. so odd. But to your point, right, it's, you know, Bible number 27 for me. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, and, and each one of them, right, it's like it doesn't really matter what Bible you have or what version you have. Like open the thing up. Spend some time in it, right? D- d- develop a love for the Word of God. Um, he does say this at the, at the beginning, which I think it's, you know, we, we could wrestle with this all you want, right? But he uses a, a John Cal- Calvin quote. He says, we yeah. owe to the Scripture the same reverence which we uh, owe to God. And I, I think that's a great reminder to us so that if we believe and understand that the Bible is the Word of God, then just as you said, you know, Mike, that um, as you spend time with Laura, right, you talk to her, okay? And, and right, if you said, hey, I'm married to her, but I never talked to her, or when she talked to you— I don't listen. Yeah, that'd be bad. You didn't listen. Yeah, that's even worse, right? It'd be better not to spend time with her than to spend time with <laughs> yeah. her. Right. And not listen to her. Right. Yeah. Or ignore her. Or didn't. I, hey, Mike, didn't I say this to you? And it's like, well, I don't really care. Right. It's like, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. What did like, you just say? What? Yeah. I'm, I'm watching TV. And so that, that's one of the things that, that I learned early on in my marriage um, was that when Trisha wanted to talk, um, I'm an easily distracted person. Uh, and so we couldn't have these conversations while watching a game or while we were out even you know, in, in public, right? I couldn't go to dinner with Trisha and have a real intimate, meaningful conversation with her because I just get distracted watching other people. And so we had a lot of conversations just, you know, sitting at home, Trisha saying, hey, I need your attention. I need, you, I need your face, right? I need to look at you. You look at me. I need you to understand what we're talking about. And, and what, what he's saying in here is when you want to do that with God, when you want to hear from God, when you want to communicate with God, you need to have that same kind. That's where the word quiet time, by the way, comes from, which I hate the word quiet time because I don't think it's a quiet time. I think it's study time, time with mm-hmm. God. But it does need to be quiet. It does need to be um, you know, kind of separated from the things of the world. You need to get rid of distractions so that you can really spend time with God and his word. And so he's going to go into the, the kind of the spiritual disciplines a little bit and give you uh, an idea that, you know, Satan wants to get you out of the word of God. He wants to take you away from the spiritual disciplines, which gets you closer to God. Uh, and that's kind of his game plan and strategy. Yeah. And for men, I think we'll do that better if we have somebody holding us accountable, a brother or a peer. Amen. It, to, do, to do any of this in isolation is to go at the enemy with him having the advantage in force. Yeah. Like, you want to take a group of men with you to the fight. You, you want to go with the tribe. You, yeah. you don't want to go as a sole warrior because they'll pick you off and take you out without much effort. You go with a couple other men who know you enough to say, hey, how come I didn't see you at church? I, I'll, I'll, I'll 
tell a story about Reed real quick. So I've got three boys. Reed's the middle one. And for some reason, the oldest didn't want to go to church that day. And I was, I don't know, I was doing something at church or serving. So uh, I had to stay. And Reed uh, and his brother, youngest, were waiting to be picked up. And there's the oldest coming to pick him up. And the oldest picks him up. And Reed looks at him and says, dude, I never want to see you pick me up again. You should be there next to me. Like I, I found this out months later, but that's the kind of relationship right. you want Amen. with a man who'll say, hey, you're being an idiot. Let's do this together because yep. the force multiplies. You'll hold me accountable at my weak points, and I'll do that for you. Yeah, and there's, there's the positive and the negative of that. Right? The, the positive is, hey, let's go together. Yeah. Right? The negative is, hey, you weren't there. And, and I think I don't care which one, right? The carrot or the stick, which one motivates you, right? But you know, if you got a if you got a guy and you say, hey, you know, let's read this, you know, let's read this book together, right? Let's hey, let's read through, you know, Philippians together. Hey, let's what? You know, let's go yeah. to church together. Great. But I think the negative is also a powerful motivator, and that is, where were you? Right? You're, you're, you're missing let, yeah, your duty. I don't want to let you down if you tell me to be somewhere. Yeah. But I'll let myself down pretty easy. Amen. Like if you're asking me, Amen. hey, did you eat a donut today, Mike? I probably won't. But if, you're, if I know I'm not going to run into you and you won't ask me about it, man, I'll have a dozen. Mm-hmm. Like two are better than one for they'll have a good reward for their toil. That's I mean, right. th- this is actually military language in Ecclesiastes telling us, you know, y- you've got a battle buddy. And you're there to cover the other. The point man actually has somebody off to his left or his right watching him. Yep. And, and we think we can do it alone. Yeah. So he goes into this, um, just Psalm 1, talks about how mm-hmm. you meditate. Right, day and night on on the uh, the Word of God. I think meditation, right, one of the lost spiritual gifts, um, of just uh, chewing on something. Right, I'm not just reading the Word of God, but th- throughout the day, I'm kind of chewing on what I read. Um, you know, I'm kind of the you know the cow out in the field who's just regurgitating it over and over and over and over again, and just you know thinking about it. Like, what what does God mean when He says this? What is, what does this mean to me? How do I put this into action? What is it? You know, and then I have conversations with people. Right? Hey, I just read this, and you just you know over and over and over throughout the day that you're constantly not only soaking in God's word, but you're you're marinating it and you're letting it kind of stain you. Right? That goes back to Deuteronomy, you know, six principle. Right? When it talks about you know you train your kids so much, right, that they're actually literally stained by the word of God, and that's that's what he's saying that as men we need to have. Right? We need to have. He says, you know, Bible plan. Right? Pick a time, pick a place, make a list, um, begin with scripture. Right. Yeah. Open up the Word of God and just start reading. And, and Mike, to your point, um, do it in community with other people, right? Whether it's your wife, other buddies, whatever it is, people to hold you accountable um, for the positive, right? So you mm-hmm. can say, hey, this is what I read and you share. And for the negative to say, hey, why didn't you read today? Because I think both are powerful. Yeah, I, I think just just one thing to add um, it, that has always been so helpful for me, and, and I feel like I can't teach this enough uh, to the people uh, really like the kids that I'm always talking to, uh, is that if you're not in Christ, if you have not mm-hmm. uh, received salvation yeah, and you're yeah. listening to this, I would just say uh, the first place for you to start is uh, is to find a Bible and yeah. start reading it with somebody. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully somebody who has maybe a little more knowledge about its contents yeah. uh, and its author than you. Um, but if you are in Christ, um, I, I, there's there's so many reasons for us to be distracted throughout the day and not make this intentional time for us to commune with the Lord. Uh, and, and he does such a great job here of, of kind of illustrating like why this is so important, yeah. not, not only for all the reasons you guys have just talked about, but he gives three reasons, and they all have the word, it reminds me 
um, that when I'm in God's word, mm. it may be the same story that I've read. Maybe I've been following Jesus for mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30, 50 years. Um, but the more that I'm in it, it reminds me of who God is, mm. uh, how sweet his salvation is, uh, what an amazing amount of grace that he has bestowed on me. And he says, first, it reminds me that there is a God who is sovereignly ruling the affairs of my life, that there is a God. And it just reminds you like that he is over all things, that no matter where you're at today, uh, that he's still in charge. Uh, and that should bring comfort to you as a believer in Christ. Second, it says, I need to be reminded reminded of what is true. Uh, And so like you've got this, and then he says later on, it reminds me and reinforces my convictions. It's like all of these things, it's just this constant reminder so that we don't get distracted, so that we don't forget, and so that we don't fall for the traps. Uh, And because that's how we're going to, if you're in Christ, the way you fall for traps is you forget. You you forget about who you are, whose you are, uh, and, and what he's called you to. And if you don't know what you've been called to, then it's really hard to walk in obedience. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Well, that's chapters three, four, five of the book. Um, pick it up, keep reading with it, and next week we'll start with chapter six. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training the number four manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David. Be strong and show yourself a man.